Welcome to That Anthro Podcast, the podcast dedicated to anthropology. Together, each week, we will be learning from the experts and researchers that are researching our pasts and today's problems. My name is Gabriella Campbell, and I'll be interviewing a new guest each week to bring to you the latest and greatest in anthropology, based right here out of Santa Barbara. Join me for weekly episodes, whether you're an anthropology buff or looking to learn something new. Welcome to That Anthro Podcast. And now, a word about the sponsor of our podcast, Anchor. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of That Anthro Podcast with your host, Gabriella Campbell. Welcome back to this week's episode with special guest, Noah Hayes. Noah is a friend of mine and a fellow third-year undergrad anthropology major, so it was really great to have him on today. Uh, He did a wonderful job with his case study that is similar to uh, Megan Kenner's case study, an earlier guest on the podcast, as well as my own personal case study that we did for a class called the Bioarchaeology of Disaster this past spring term. So without further ado, here's Noah talking all about cannibalism in Jamestown. Hi, Noah. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for being here today. Thank you. Yeah, I'm really excited to give this a shot. So why don't we start out with you telling our listeners a little bit about yourself? Um, yeah, I'm so I'm a third year biological anthropology major at UC Santa Barbara. Um, I recently have been focusing further into bioarchaeology, which has been fascinating. Uh, and that involves studying human remains to get a better picture of the individual's life, how they died, and the time they lived in. In addition to being an anthropology major at UCSB and researching super interesting stuff in that field, I'm also a fairly high-level mountain bike racer. So in my time when I'm not in school, I travel around the country and the world, actually, uh, racing my bike in really cool areas and training, especially in the Santa Barbara backcountry, which has been a phenomenal way to get away during COVID, unfortunately. Yeah, and it's stunning. Yeah, it is some of the most beautiful scenery, and you can get super far out and not see a single other person for hours and hours, which is really great for just kind of getting back and, funny enough, exercising but relaxing at the same time. (laughs) Uh, you also adopted two cats during COVID. Do you want to tell us about that? I would love to. They are the loves of my life. Um, <laughs> uh, it's Mabel and Cora. They're about three or four months old now, maybe maybe closer to five. Um, I got them from a shelter back up in Oakland, where I'm from. And then we brought them down to my apartment in Santa Barbara, and they've been keeping lots of good company while I've been sitting inside trying to avoid COVID. Yes, aren't we all? <laughs> Indeed. I can't wait to be back on campus eventually and yeah. back talking to everyone. So I have a question for you that I have an answer to myself, so I'll share my own answer first. Okay. If you were given a grant, just a general grant in a perfect world, 
what where would you like to go do field work and why and mine is ancient egypt and i would love to further explore the pyramids because there's so many different passageways that haven't been explored yet and i think that that and also do some bio arc on the remains found there because that that that's my dream so if you were given that opportunity what would your dream be that that is a very good answer by the way um (laughs) <laughs> Funny enough, you you earlier mentioned that your case study was on cannibalism in ancient humans. Uh, and yes. a lot of the stuff that I am fascinated in is ancient humans and just the general evolution from Australopithecus and further back than that, all the way to where mm-hmm. we are now. So I would love to go to regions in Europe and Africa and Asia and be able to do digs and research on uh, maybe potential new kind of links between uh, the different species of hominins. That's so cool. Yeah, that's what initially got me super excited, especially when I took uh, same professor, Danielle Corrin's human evolution class, which focused on the morphological side of human evolution. That's really interesting. Is that something that you're considering for grad school, focusing on that? Yeah, definitely. That's great. Wonderful. And um, what made what has really like influenced you to major in anthropology as an undergrad? Um, it started out, I started out as a biology major and it just ended up not being my thing. So I started taking just like a few classes uh, that were unrelated to that. And one of them was a biological anthropology class. Um, and it was just like instantly fascinating to me. I, I like, I think I went in like halfway through that quarter to switch my major and then was lucky enough to take a class with Danielle, which was an osteology class. And that kind of turned me further towards the bioarchaeology side. Um, and now I'm here. Well, that's great. Um, so, and then you mentioned that this, this, um, research that you did was in the class with Dr. Curran that we both took that Megan Kenner took as well one of our earlier guests yes. and we all chose I think certain people had similar topics but for the most part we all had pretty varying topics within the field of bioarchaeology and disasters so what inspired you specifically to choose cannibalism in Jamestown as your research paper? So I started out just generally doing some research around different disasters and stuff like that. Nothing was really clicking. So uh, Danielle eventually sent out like certain studies that she wanted people to do. And I looked through that list and for some reason, the cannibalism in Jamestown really caught my eye. And I just thought it was super, it would be super interesting to research um, and it initially was supposed to be like a shorter, like thousand page paper. And I just, and I just, as she says, went down the rabbit hole and compiled enough for a much longer paper than that. Um, and yeah, it's by far the most interesting thing I've researched. And I'm really excited to share it with you and the listeners. Well, I'm really, really glad that you got to have that experience of being really passionate about it. I know I had that with mine and my, my topic was, uh, cannibalism in um, ancient hominins. So I, it's a very fat, it's a little bit morbid, yeah. morbid, but it's very fascinating. So why don't why don't you jump in? Um, everyone sit back and prepare to hear the, the story. So to start off, I'm going to just let you know about Jane, who was a 14 year old girl. Uh, she arrived in Jamestown on a boat carrying supplies. Uh, and unfortunately that boat got caught in a storm 
that all of the food supplies spoiled. Uh, and this really contributed to the starving time. And this is because she arrived just before the winter of 1609 to 1610, which was known as the starving time. Um, and we'll get into that a little bit more later, but I figured I'd just give a little snippet of what's to come before I Wonderful. go through some background. Um, so uh, one of the reasons that that winter was so brutal was because of drought, which led to food shortages. And interestingly enough, we didn't know about this drought until a tree ring study that was performed by Dennis B. Blanton. Um, and it, it found out that this was the worst drought in that region in the last 770 years, which is just insane. There's already in the area, there was some like water quality issues that date back to as far as 2000 years, but this incredibly compounded that, uh, those issues that were already present. Most importantly, those were found in the Jamestown River, which was where they got all of their water and also where they dumped all of their waste. Uh, so due to the drought, the level of the water in the Jamestown River was not high enough for it to be flushed out regularly to the ocean. So all of the waste that they were putting in was just sitting stagnant in their drinking supply. And this caused many of the settlers to contract typhoid and dysentery, which then contributed to a, a lack of steady food supply because people couldn't work to provide food for the settlers. Um, mm -hmm. So Further with that food supply issue, uh, when the settlers initially arrived, they were planning to trade with the native Powhatan tribe for food, but that completely backfired because the tribe was not very agriculturally productive, even in non-drought years, and had to live off the land most of the year anyway. And then the drought further compounded that to the point where the natives even were appealing to the settlers for aid. Um, and this miscalculation by the settlers was disastrous, especially in that winter of 1609 to 1610, which caused them to just slowly starve. And the most chilling statistic that I've found is that 300 settlers started that winter and only 60 survived. Oh. Yeah. And the ones that did survive, eventually, once they got through their normal food stores, had to start eating dogs, cats, rats, snakes, and even leather boots, anything that they could get to sustain themselves. And eventually they resorted to a much more sinister, uh, or at least that's what I'm, I'm presenting, a much more sinister uh, food source, which was each other. Um, so now that I've set up that background, I can get further into that, which for me is the most interesting part and can bring us back to the 14 year old girl I mentioned earlier. Um, they found her remains in 2012 in a cellar that had turned into a refuse pit. Um, and the only remains they found were a partial skull and a proximal tibia. And it might not sound like that's very useful because that's only around 10% of the skeleton or even less but it unlocked a lot of information about the girl's life, including her age, sex, and where she was from in Europe, and so Europe, and roughly how long she was in Jamestown, and even if she or if she had not been can cannibalized. So they were able to determine that she was 14 and that 
her sex was female based on the physical characteristics of her remains. Uh, and they did the sexing by primarily features on her skull, how robust or in this case, not very robust, uh, the mandible and so sort of like the areas around the eyes would have been. Uh, and then they were able to determine her age based on a variety of different characteristics as well, but primarily sutures and how fused they were. And the older you are, the more fused certain sutures are going to be. So when you cross-reference as many of those as possible, you can narrow the age down to 14 in this case. Did they also use the epiphyseal um, fusion of the, did you say they found tibia? tibia yes. Yes. Yes, they did. That was that was one of the other. Yeah, so I guess not just sutures, but yeah, also epiphyseal fusion. Epiphyseal fusion, yes. Um, and then after they found that base level information, they performed isotope analyses to figure out where she was from. And this test determined that she had a primarily European wheat-based diet, and that suggested that she was a recent immigrant. Um, and when that was cross-referenced with historical records, it determined that she likely arrived in August of 1609 on one of those storm-damaged ships I referenced earlier. And that means she arrived just before the starving time of 1609 to 1610. Now to the most striking part of her remains, uh, the deep cuts on her frontal bone, cuts on punctures on the side of her left cranium or on the left side of her cranium and mandible and her tibia has a chop halfway through its shaft luckily all of these were likely post-mortem but it's still gruesome nonetheless and we can start with the frontal bone these cuts were from a failed attempt to open the brain case to remove brain matter which is very common in cases of cannibalism because if you are going to uh, eat somebody's remains, you are going to eat all of them. These marks also showed somebody who is very tentative and inexperienced in butchery. Um, and we'll kind of tie that in a little bit later. Uh, the next, next marks we'll go over were on the back of the skull uh, and showed a successful attempt with a small axe or cleaver to, um, to open the brain, ca brain case. And this showed somebody who knew what they were doing, and it suggests that multiple people butchered this body. And that's shown further throughout the rest of the remains. The marks on the left side of the mandible and uh, brain case were likely to remove facial tissue, and they were done in short, quick sawing motions with little pattern, which also backs up that these remains were processed by multiple people because that shows inexperience in butchery. The tibia was likely butchered by the person with more experience because it was just one swift chop mark present on it. Um, all of these are very characteristic of removing flesh from bone and provides proof with reasonable certainty that cannibalism did take place in Jamestown during the winter of 1609 to 1610. It to me is just crazy that this young girl who's probably excited about the potential prospers of what was the new world but didn't realize what she was actually going towards towards was her death and further cannibalization it's very sad and definitely something that we we don't talk about in at least my u.s history classes we weren't talking about some of the more difficult times that early settlers went through because you know they did come to a world that they did not really know how to cultivate or 
um, survive in. And is there any other evidence from the region of other uh, cannibal of cannibalism at other earlier colonial sites? Do you know? Not that I have seen. Um, as far as I know, this is the only case, at least in that region. But there were other kind of like historical documents that suggested that cannibalism did take place. Um, but there was a lot of those weren't thought to be legitimate due to different like kind of like ulterior motives for either promoting that it did or didn't happen um, just with different political scenarios within the settlement and within like the English uh, English government. Um, but mm-hmm. this uh, this case really cemented that it did truly happen. <laughs>